This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR to sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, and Jesse coming to you live did you know you can get a ride on the party bus on December 17th for just $25? If you already have a ticket to the game, you can come join us. You can come party with us. It includes a ride to and from the arena, and it includes free beer. So it's literally cheaper than parking at the arena yourself and getting beer. So jump on it. If you got tickets to December 17th game against Nashville, you want to party with us, go check out the party bus. Uh, links to the DNBR locker will get you to those tickets been a uh, been a good couple of days on the injury front for the avalanche jesse i saw you 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 went for it officially tweeting out the sixth day without an injury yep yep I'm, I'm jumping the gun a little bit because we haven't we didn't get an update on loc today with an off day for the abs but he finished the game we're gonna go ahead and assume that we can now make it six days without an injury uh <laughs> but that may have to be reset when we check in with the team tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see what happens officially. We do have... I, I mean, a, a six is just a zero with a hook. We're not <laughs> wrong. It'll be easy to update if we need to. Yeah, a little eraser. Make a couple more days and you just have two zeros with an eight, right? Yeah, like... that's right. Yeah, I'll just stack two zeros, like one on top of each other. So from a distance, it looks like an eight. But if we need to make any quick adjustments... Is that is that why Andreas England is so terrible? It's because it's just a bunch of zeros stacked on each other. Like, yeah, in case you need to just wipe him to a zero. Well, relevant. He was reassigned to the Eagles alongside Ben Myers after the game last night. Uh, don't know how permanent that will necessarily be, but indications are the Avs are getting healthier and healthier here. Evan Rodriguez seen skating in a normal jersey by himself today, but nonetheless skating in a normal jersey uh lots of positive news coming in on that front for the abs so we decided we're going to do everyone's favorite thing of all time and just spend this whole show roster baiting and uh how the abs lineup might look because i do think this is an interesting conversation right you're starting to get these guys back but you're still a couple weeks away from getting mckinnon back you're still probably at least a month if not more from really getting Landeskog back so they're going to have to do some weird balancing stuff. I, I want to make one quick comment on <clears throat> Lannis Gog because there's been the reports out there that he's skating. And while that is, yes, technically true, uh, he was at Ball Arena, or excuse me, I was at Ball Arena real early last week um, ahead of practice. And Gabe Lannis Gog was out there. That is true. I don't fully know if I would describe what he was doing as skating. Uh, we saw this last year. <clears throat> Look, he's 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 on his skates, but it's it, you can tell that he's being instructed, like really don't take any like real strides. They're they're real small little movements, moving around the ice, you know, kind of shooting pucks, flipping pucks around. He's not skating. It's um, like the very first step of the process right. of him getting back into 
the kind of conditioning that he's going to need because it's a lower body injury. This is like the very, very beginning of that process. Yep. Uh, there's no updated timeline. It's still late January. Yep. Yeah, this is. And, and again, like we saw him do this last year before the playoffs. Uh, and what AJ said just now is completely correct. It's this is get the feel back. Get what it feels like to be on your skates start you know you're adding just a teeny tiny bit of motion and it will gradually ramp up seriously we're talking over the next month to six weeks uh at least um of of a ramp up process here so while a lot of these guys are getting back on the ice you will see out there that gabe landeskog's on the ice while that's technically true i just want to make sure that that expectation is still clear amongst Avs fans that you are still looking Probably at minimum four to six weeks on Gabe Landeskog right now. To be honest with you, if you expect him back before the All-Star break, you're being optimistic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's no reason, knowing that his timeline is mid to late January anyway, there's no reason to think that he would be back before that huge gap of time. Like, what's he going to do, play one game, and then (laughs) they go on the bye week for 10? Like, just give him the extra week week and a half of rest like the smartest thing to do is to expect him to be back when the team comes back in february he is the one guy <clears throat> excuse me even with all these injuries i they aren't gonna rush we, we talked last week about maybe there's some of these guys that they will i don't necessarily even want to use the word rush but be a little bit quicker to get them back just with all the injuries gabe landiscog given the fact that he had to have kind of unexpected do-over surgery um, he, they're not going to rush him. He's going to take whatever time he needs. Yeah, for sure. They'd, and being realistic, I don't think there's any reason to rush him. Certainly, if uh, you make an argument, there's not a reason to rush anybody with how the ads have looked over these past couple games now that they've gotten Val and Lekin and back. It wasn't the best hockey game in the world the other night. No, but it was certainly good enough. Yeah. So... Something you well, can live with. AJ, I just want to get your take on it because we talked about it a good amount uh, yesterday on the show and, and Megan and I have talked about it in a couple of videos uh, over the last week. How big of a difference did this did, did it make to you, AJ, just purely having those guys back, even though they're not, you know, your Nathan McKinnons and whatever, purely just inserting those guys back in the lineup, what a difference it made in terms of bumping everyone down. I just kind of wanted to get your uh, your perspective on it. I mean, it's not even just bumping a guy down, right? I mean, you're talking, you straight up go from Jason Magna to Val Nachushkin. You know, and then and then you do bump a guy. The guys that are down there, you do bump. Or the guys that stay there, uh, you you bump down. Like, it's... It's a huge difference in terms of you have a you have a high end NHL player, you a higher end NHL player, and a guy like Nachushkin, and a very good like top six ish somewhere in Arturi Lekkinen. I mean, just those two guys. We saw yesterday in St. Louis. St. Louis is one strength. Their greatest strength is forward depth. Mm-hmm. They've got different waves of lines that they can throw at you. Well. The abs, the abs have one line defensively that they've been able to rely upon all season. 
with Cogliano, Comfer, and LOC, where bad bad things don't happen to you with that line out there. I think they've only been on the ice for five even strength goals against all season. So you're talking, and that's a line that's been together from the start. So you get that line. They found some weird magic with uh, Charles Houdon and Jean-Luc Foodie and Ben Myers. <laughs> that trio just worked in two games. It held its own. It was fine. It was competitive. But having a top line that could function as a top line because yeah. Lekkanen, uh, you know, Lekkanen, and and Nachushkin, those guys, you know, with, with like Newhook was like sort of part of that mix <laughs> at different times. Like Newhook's role yesterday was downright bizarre, but like uh, that trio right there at any given time, they could just throw out a top line, an actual bona fide NHL top, not like, Miko Rantanen is a stud. And Alex Newhook is a young guy that we like. And then there's Charles Houdon on the other side where you're like, <laughs> like <laughs> they could just throw out a bona fide, hey, here's the top line. Like this is this is a group that we can go to battle with. And it just makes your team it, it changes the complete dynamic of your team that you're in the offensive zone, that you're forcing a team to defend, that you're you're creating dangerous chances, that that you're you're playing in in the right zone, you know that you're you're actually putting pressure on the other team. And I, I know they got three goals yesterday. Offense is still a problem here. Like we got to be realistic. Miko Rantanen has five of the last six Avalanche goals, but that's that's at least something to start with. You have a top line that can function and we see in this league all the time that more often than not especially in the regular season uh your your best players are what separates you uh, in uh, in in winning and losing games i go ahead i, I do want to extrapolate this into the second line as we go through this show again we're assuming erod should be back could be as soon as tomorrow, but certainly sometime in the next week or so. He probably slots right into your second line pretty easily. What does that rest of the top six start to look like then? Are you keeping Houdon up there? Are you running New Hook on the wing on that line? How does it shake out? <clears throat> I mean, it's it's hard because AJ alluded to something that we kind of talked about last night with that, that trio of Houdon, Foodie, uh, and Myers that they've had them together for two games and for two games, it's looked for all intents and purposes looked pretty good. Right. Um, and, and given everything that this team has been dealing with recently uh, in terms of inconsistent, in terms of inconsistencies in the lineup, I don't know. Do you, if you're Jared Bednar, do you like the idea of keeping that group together as much as possible? Kind of the way he's done with Comfort Cogliano uh and and o'connor so yeah what so, so you got new hook rodriguez foodie is that, is that, well he'd be with that, the other line right, I say, yeah. is that does that leave you with like dryden it, hunt bleeder hunt yeah right um and that's why i think the answer is no yeah <laughs> right that, you, that that line doesn't stick together because i think that 
if Rodriguez does, you know, whenever Rodriguez does come back, you he was the bridge to secondary scoring mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. He was playing so well. And look, Alex Newhook's a little all over the place right now um, in terms of his role and, to be honest, his play. But he's mm-hmm. putting up points for you. And the role and play thing might go hand in hand a little bit. There. <laughs> well, I do, I do too. But I, I think what we're seeing though is that he's, he's the trial by fire here. He's learning how to be an impact guy and how to be effective yep. all over the lineup, not just in a set and like, okay, he's your third line left wing and like, okay, that's it. Like he's been moved all over the place and he just keeps popping up. You know, he he's mm-hmm. one of the few guys that's giving them any kind of offensive punch outside. I mean, pick all these other guys. Everybody loves Foodie. Everybody loves this guy. Oh, Charles Udon. And we'll get to him. All this all this stuff, right? But Alex Alex Newhook's the one that's actually produced points. He's the one that's actually on the scoreboard. He's in he's in your box score more often right now. More more often than not ish. But it's like it's more it's like every other game, which is right where you kind of wanted him to be this year. So I like he had a really slow start to the year, but since the since the eight games where he he started the year scoreless, he's he has produced like a low second line player. And that that guy next to Evan Rodriguez and then with another guy. You know, we saw Martin Kaut looked pretty good in that role. All right, let's see what John Luke Foodie does next to those cats. Mm-hmm. If sure. you remove those eight games for Newhook, which I get it, like removing the part he bads at, he's bad at is cheating. But humor me for a second. It's been eleven points in eighteen games. Right. Well, I mean, and that's secondary scoring, baby. Yep. That's right. what you want. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. No. And and. So it's funny because, like, as I was kind of sitting there talking through that second line, I was like, "Yeah, I don't think you can keep that group together." And then you said it, AJ. Like, unless you are going to want to call up, unless you think that Alex Galchenyuk has made some like meaningful steps in the last week, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Then you then you split that line up, knowing that if you want to throw them back together, you can. I really do. I think the other part to this, and Rudo, if you want to wait on this part, but like, I, I also. I also don't think we're that far out from getting Darren Helm back Yep. from the abs, getting Darren Helm back. Um, and, and so that's another thing to keep in mind that, you know, if, if you can get those two back within a game or two of each other, and maybe you are comfortable leaving that, that foodie hood on Myers line together as a, as a bottom six group. And you plug in Darren Helm, you know, somewhere on that, maybe back with that third line, uh, you know, take Comfer off there and get back what was your fourth line from last year. You could bump Comfer up, Newhook, Comfer, uh, Rodriguez. You have a lot of center options there. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you have yeah. like a you have like a lot of bad center options. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you have a bunch of guys who are better suited elsewhere, but can play. Center. A bunch of dudes who can take faceoffs, but their yeah, actual yeah. <laughs> being a center is we'll see. <laughs> a bunch right. of dudes that can lose faceoffs. Eh, Comfer does okay. <laughs> He's, you know, you know where he is on the year? Like 52 or something. 47, man. Oh, is it that bad? Really? Damn. All right. None of it, them can do face-offs. That's the that's thing, though, funny. is that he gets he gets hot and he'll win 20 of 26 in one game. Right. And then he'll go three games yeah. in a row where he's at like 46. That, that thing just well, he, bounces up and down like a <laughs> pinball. Yeah. He got him and Duchesne, I remember, 
would work on faceoffs like endlessly after practice. And so if, if you watch him and if you watch him and the way that Matt Duchesne both take faceoffs, it's very similar. Um, but I think Duchesne has kind of settled in a little bit more consistently to being like a pretty top tier faceoff guy. Yeah. Um, for the for the record, Comfer's only been over fifty percent once in his career. It was last year and it was fifty one. Yeah, so good relatively to the abs, maybe. Uh yeah, relative <laughs> relative relative to like Nathan McKinnon in his career forty three percent or whatever. <laughs> he's doing fine. Like he's your guy. But there's a there's a reason that Yeah. There's there's a reason that the abs are brutal in the face-off circle because they don't have anybody that's consistently good at it. Except I, for Landy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to extrapolate on the helm conversation, not just himself, but who is on the chopping block to get sent back to the Eagles there. But first, we are brought to you by Athletic Greens. You start every day with just one scoop in your cup of water. It's got 75 different vitamins and minerals, a bunch of adaptogens and electrolytes in it to get you going, help boost your immune system. Tons of athletes use it as part of their daily workout routines. So if you want to get a little bit healthier, it can help with that. Uh, around the office at DNVR, a lot of us use it as a hangover cure. Uh, not too bad for that type of thing as well. So. Anna did that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, a, definitely a great little wonder thing to get your days started on the right foot. And put it that way, you can get it at athleticgreens.com slash avalanche to let them know we sent you over there. And when you order, you get five free travel packs. So even if you're getting drunk on the road, you can take it with you. Uh, don't drink and drive. I meant like when you're traveling and getting drunk. Uh, also, you can get a year's supply of vitamin D when you order. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash avalanche to take control of your health, especially with all the flu season going around. I know AJ's still recovering from his sickness a little bit. Our, our social media girl, Marissa, has it too. It's it's rough out there. Also brought to you by the amazing people over at Illegal Pete's. Uh, I can't remember the last time I've gone to the bar and one of us didn't roll in with an Illegal Pete's burrito between Jesse and Yaya especially. Uh, they're the, they're burrito people. So you can get yourself down there. Happy hours are 3 to 6 p.m. at Illegal Pete's where you can get uh, they're margaritas for a ridiculously good price, so go check that out. Also, their burritos are just amazing. Highly recommend you have their burritos and eat them. Absolutely delicious all the way around. Their uh, their queso, mwah, ridiculously mm -hmm. good. Check them out. Get down to one. There's an illegal piece literally like just a block or two from the bar, so you can hit them up. Auto play. <laughs> what even was it? I said, was that Sarah know. McLaughlin? I don't know. I don't actually. I don't know what it was. In the arms of an angel, getting played. Back <laughs> it was one of those sad dog commercials. That yeah. I played on my. Yeah. On my phone. yeah. I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Did you know a million dogs die every year? I don't know the actual commercial. Every but... minute. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's like what it feels like. <laughs> Jump over there. Uh, they're also hooking you up at Illegal Pete's. You spend $100 on gift cards, you get an extra $25 free. So it's a great holiday gift option through Illegal Pete's. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Darren Helm isn't going to have the roster impact of someone like a Lekin and a Nachushkin or even an Erod, but is very likely going to bring some stability to that bottom six when he comes back. How important is that for the Avs right now? One and two, whose spot is he taking? 
This is the one where I really don't know. I really have no feel for what happens with Darren Helm. Like, for me, I think putting him next to Dryden Hunt on, like, an actual fourth line is where I would start him out. Especially at center, where we saw him in the postseason. Start there. Sure. But yeah. certainly, given that they sent Myers down already, seems like he's kind of already an odd man out, so a center position should be open. Granted, well, I mean, he I... helps fill that, but... Right. I think the ultimate goal is to work him back into that, that line that he clicked with so well last year, playing in the middle between Cogliano and O'Connor. But again, that, that has been your big skating energy line uh, for the last few weeks. And I just don't think it's fair <laughs> drop a guy in who hasn't played an NHL game in six, seven months uh, onto a line. It's like, Hey, we need you to skate your ass off every shift, every minute, get out there. Um, so no, I'm with AJ. I think you start him on a fourth line with, you know, wh- whomever it is that that m- makes up those those wings there. Um, get him ramped back up, watch his minutes a bit. Uh, but eventually, I do. I think they want to work him back uh, in between Cogliano and, and and O'Connor and and have that kind of be a go to. And you know, while while you're still dealing with injuries, keeps JT Comfer in kind of a flex position for you. Can I can I change? gears just a little bit here yep do do either of you look at (laughs) like do you think as well as miko ranton has played now for the last three games at center do you guys think jerry bednar's gonna get frisky with that at all and say okay well shit maybe we use miko ranton in between lekanen and nichushkin like you know i don't know when just moving forward, guys get back, get healthy. You so like, do I think that that happens when McKinnon is healthy? Yeah, not right away. I could see, I could see him talking himself into it when Landy is back. But wouldn't you yeah. rather just do it with Landy at that point? I'm just saying, just because, just because Miko's had a, a few good games there where he's really been impactful. I just don't see that as the anywhere near the first option. Like, I think you're floating Lekkanen or Nachushkin down the lineup on the wings yeah, before you're I thinking just, about doing that. We've seen the way that McKinnon and Rantanen have elevated each other for sure. so consistently over the last several years that, for me, I guess I just, I just have a really hard time believing that any solution is break that up. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean you look at you look at you look at the way and you look in Boston and the way that uh Bergeron and Marchand have just kind of been stapled to each other for like a decade. Right. Like sometimes things just work and yeah. at an at a at a really, really high level because with Lekanen, Arturi Lekanen, like Arturi Lekanen, a guy that two years ago was toiling in Montreal's bottom six, like they are still one of the top 10 best lines in the NHL. And Gabe Landeskog, we know, there's no offense to Arturi Lekkinen. Gabe Landeskog is just a better player. And what he's done for that line as, like, the defensive conscious of it, you know, we've we've seen a little bit with Nachushkin, too. Like, those guys are... 
those guys those guys bring that line to a different to to a different level and like and Landy's been amazing there. I honestly think it comes back to the same conversation we were having at the start of the year. Look, if you don't believe in Erod or Newhook to be your two C, you're probably looking at going out and getting one at the deadline. Now, yeah, and and we saw we saw with Erod though there were makings of him starting to earn absolutely an but, extended look at two C yeah, with for sure. flanked by the good ones, you know, flanked by a Nachushkin and a Lekkinen or a Landeskog, like whatever that alignment would be with the wings, like you've got such good two-way options there because between all three of those guys, Lekkinen, Landeskog, and Nachushkin, you have three excellent defensive players. Well, and, and part of what makes me think this way is that the Avs had such great success with that Landeskog, McKinnon, Nachushkin line uh, last year in the postseason. But I also am having, I, I also just kind of had the thought because we were talking about the their Again, top top line right now. And I, I just thought it's been a really fun combination. I thought it was a really fun combination last night because you had two great defensive players, Lekkinen and Nichushkin. Uh, and, and Miko is maybe for the first time, like truly uh, since he's been here, we, we have seen him kind of embrace being, you know, the guy a little bit here. I've got to be the one to put up the points. I've got to be the one to, to pick up the production over the last couple of games. Again, you're talking about two games here, but just thought it was an interesting thing to float out there. It, it's definitely an interesting conversation. I, I just think there's too many other options besides Miko there still to really sure. see it being a thing. Yeah, um, and I still think when you're talking about dead, the, the trade deadline not too long after Landeskog is back in yeah. the lineup that they get basically three weeks to decide how important is this 2C position as a deadline priority? Um, because you could see where they could say, hey, Evan Rodriguez can do this job. We do feel good about it. But also, if we go and get Jonathan Taves or, you know, just pick a 2C. I really don't want to get into that part. But pick a 2C. They go and get it. And it doesn't take away their center options. I mean, then you are having a third line conversation where now Evan Rodriguez is on your third line, right? Next to an Alex Newhook or a JT Comfer or whatever the alignment ends up right. being here, and and that's where you're starting to say, okay, well, this is again, you have found a way to rebuild that championship caliber depth, where yep, hundred percent, and where you're you're rolling out a third line that's just punching other third lines in the mouth every night. You're rolling out a fourth line. You know, with with you know Cogliano and and Comfort slash Helm yeah. and O'Connor, you know, three of those four guys are going to go be going out there on your fourth line, and they have functioned poorly as a second line for a month and a half, two months. But to they start aren't the getting season. crushed, at least. Yeah, yeah, but they're the thing is, is that they're they're not hurting you for an extended stretch, and they chip in offense occasionally that for a fourth line, they're going to be significantly better as a third or – it'll probably really function as a third line come playoff time. Yeah. AJ, like just, <laughs> just hearing you talk through all that, I really don't know if we have enough, and I know for a fact Avs fans en- haven't appreciated enough how over their heads that 
second line has played right now and how how well they've done how successful context. it's been, man. Right. It's, it's right. The fact that they're not effective, man. They're not producing offense, but you're also talking about they are taking on second line assignments almost every night and and holding them off the score sheet. Exactly. And they're they are surviving. They're not letting other teams depth kill them. Right. And that's that's where you have to look at it and you're like it's like the one failing of Colorado's top line this year is that defensively they haven't been any good. <laughs> They've given up way too much. And you're like, look, you're getting away with all this bullshit in the rest of your lineup. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, and, and that's where, that's where if you do look at like a two C option, like if you, if you got really bold and you went and got a Ryan O'Reilly and then you had, of second line of Landeskog, O'Reilly, and Nutrition. Just a nightmare to play against. You <laughs> have a you have a true shutdown line defensively, but one that can also generate the offense for you, right? Like, I, and I can go the other way and be nasty about it. I, and and then you roll out that 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 line that has functioned as their second line this year. You roll that thing out at the line, bottom of your yeah. lineup, and you've you've kind of accidentally built like rebuilt kind of the Tampa Bay model with the, with what Anthony Sorelli has, has meant yep. to that organization yep. and how, how important they are. Where they uh, just smother you with their death. Exactly. Yeah. Where they, where they, they, it starts with what they don't give up and then what they're able to give you on the other end almost becomes like bonus because you know, the guys at the top of the roster are scoring every single night. And that's and and there's like this is why I think the three of us have not been pressed about the standings. Yeah, have not been too concerned about where wherever the abs kind of end up after all this shuffle, because once healthy, and and like yes, you do assume that the abs get most of the way healthy at some point, right? Um, my goodness, like they they can really take flight once all the pieces come together and what the, what the healthy team looks like, is just completely different. It's great conversation. Unfortunately, still a month plus away. So I do want to reel this back into the next couple of weeks. Darren Helm coming into the lineup, your realistic guys looking on the outs here, Anton bleed, Charles Udon, John Luke foodie. Who's sticking. Who's going. Uh, I mean, of, of those three, and Anton Bleed's not even in the conversation for me. I mm-hmm. I agree. I think he's the easy one to send down. Look, I, I, I'll, I'll say this, and then um, AJ, you can you can jump in and add if you want. Uh, I, I I was told by a couple people who would definitely know um, the Abs organization really likes what they've seen out of Foodie really likes what they've seen out of foodie. Um, so, so going based off what I know, if I'm having to pick one guy out of that list right now today, I'm going to say it's foodie because that's the one guy that I know internally uh, that has exceeded their expectations. Well, and like what a shock, right? Like you talk about stylistic fit here, you know, and as much as it annoys me that Martin Cout is like the fall guy here and it's like the first guy that they send back because he's got a quiet game or two here and there, you look at it and you're like, what's the big difference here between a guy like Martin Cout and a guy like Jean-Luc Foudy? Is that Jean-Luc Foudy just naturally plays the way the Avs want to play. 
of all the guys in Colorado's system. This is the this is the thing that we have talked about his entire time since the second he was drafted, and Rudo and I were like high fiving all over the place. Is that Jean Luc Foudy is in he is an impeccable fit to play Avalanche hockey. You know, if you if you asked him to go be a Dallas star right now, he'd be a gross miscast in in what Pete DeBoer wants to do. But to play what the way that Jared Bednar wants the Avalanche to play, there has never been a prospect in the Avalanche system more well equipped than Jean Luc Foudy. Now, I've had questions about what he ultimately would become, like where his ceiling is, what his fit is. He's played all over the Eagles lineup in terms of role and on both wings and at center. He's done a little bit of everything. And I think I think that his success at the NHL level has been wildly overstated by a lot of people. Um, people are, oh, it's, he's this much better. And, oh, he looks this great and that he makes a ton of mistakes, but at the end of the day, you look at that guy and you're like, look, he, he's kind of a lightning bolt in your bottom six because every single time he touches the puck, something's happening. And that, that is where he is separated from every single other call up is that he, he, for whatever reason, there's an it factor that you can't put your finger on yep. and point to and explain Something about Jean-Luc Foudy playing for this Avalanche team, it's just clicking. Yep. It's working. And that's one thing where you just say, look, Charles Charles Houdon has been kind of fun, but you know that there are – he's got NHL track record where you can look to and say there are significant defensive shortcomings in his game. But are they enough to the, that they, they counteract what he's at least brought offensively? All right. Well, he's he's had a lot of really high end scoring chances and hadn't hadn't capitalized on any of them. Yeah. You know. So that was how do you thing. how do you how do you kind of how do you kind of mix all that together? Because that was what I said. Between yesterday. those two guys, I think that I, I just think that you have interesting conversations. I want to give it another week, and like the injury issues aren't going to stop, so they've got another week to sort that out. But for right now. I think I think what you're seeing is that Jean-Luc Foudy, I think, has made a lot of mistakes. And I think he's been I think there there are a lot of problems that I have with him. But regardless of the issues, there are so many things that are just natural fits for him with how the abs play that you're like, you can see this guy fucking up a playoff series that. This guy, they, they they roll into a first round series, or they get into a second round series against the Dallas Stars, and this is the guy that that gives them their Kiviranta moment, you know that that guy down the lineup that's just capable of being that like thunderbolt that changes the course of a series that makes that kind he of an impact. Already play. was that guy for the Eagles last year, and yeah, he was, and and it's just. That is a guy, that's a guy that you look at and you're just like, I don't know that he's totally ready, but even with his hair on fire, he's finding a way to do things every single night and you just can't ignore that. So what I was going to say a minute ago was I made that same comment about Jean, uh, about Charles Houdon. It's like, everyone's talking about how great he is. He's generating all these chances. It's like, yeah, he's also not buried a bunch of grade A chances. Uh, but 
going back to foodie. So we actually, uh, coming up here at two 15, uh, we will have a new, uh, podcast dropping. It drops every Monday. Um, it's just a bonus six pod. We're not taking anything else away, but so that'll be, uh, coming to you guys here, uh, shortly about 30 minutes, but Megan and I talked about, uh, on their, we, we play, we have an interview with, uh, with Andrew Cogliano and he talks about relative to the young guys. He says, you know what? I'm paraphrasing, you know, obviously it's the, the effort is a huge thing. The effort and the consistency are you showing up every day and giving 150%? Are you skating your ass off on every shift? Are you doing something to try to be involved on every play? And what he basically said is, look, the older guys like in the room, we, we notice that. And especially now you're on a championship team. Like there's an expectation within that locker room that your effort is at a certain level every single day. And he said, look, we, we noticed that. And if that, if you're showing up every single day and putting in the kind of effort that is consistent with what we do in this room, we can live with the mistakes. Mistakes happen. Things happen out there. It's when you're, when, when you're showing up, you're not putting in the effort that maybe everyone else is, or, or, you know, you're taking a shift off here and there. That's when the mistakes become a problem. And that's where I think a guy like foodie, cause you're right. Age like his game has been far from perfect. Um, but I think they like him internally because he's doing what's being asked and he's bringing a fairly consistent effort level to every single shift, every single practice. And then he does have the skill side to it. Like you said, he's just a good fit within the system. He plays with speed, all of that stuff. And so they're saying, look, we're, we're fine to live with some of these young mistakes because he's doing a lot of the things that we're asking him to do and we want him to do. Uh, and, and I like the Kitty Ronta comparison. Like, cool. Can we keep this guy around? long enough can we get him integrated integrated to what we do enough that yeah near the end of the season here's this weird chip you can play in your bottom six that has a bunch of offensive upside um so yeah this has turned into a long answer to your question Rudo. Of, if you're asking <laughs> me to put money on it right now to me it's 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 foodie who sticks around okay uh to play devil the devil's advocate a tiny bit because i actually agree i think it's probably foodie maybe udon those are two guys that I can see Bednar shying away from at times in his bottom six when he's looking for defense, consistent, don't screw me over hockey. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in the past where he will shy away from some of those rookies that have a little bit of that inconsistency for a player like Anton Bleed or Jason Megna. Yeah. With that being said, I don't think... Bednar has had a whole lot of prospects that would slot into the bottom six that have flashed the way Foodie has. I mean, right now, um, we are trying to figure you. You know, you're crystal balling it. And you're looking down the road, like what you're talking about, Rudo, is a preference for Dryden Hunt. Correct. Um, and I think that's the roadblock. There is that when everybody's healthy dryden hunt still exists and is still (laughs) the 12th guy a guy they have to make a decision on you know that what do they what do they want to do with him what do what's the plan what's the role etc etc because we're seeing like he he's a guy that yeah it was it was fun that he went out and you know he's gotten into a couple of fights and He's had some big hits and he's done some things, but you're you're talking about a guy that 
has has scored one goal. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Udon not finishing grade A chances. Dryden Hunt <laughs> has seen a lot fall to the wayside as well. Well, and and you're talking about a guy that is is not consistently getting to double digit minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's where you know he. He got to Colorado, and it it he hasn't built towards anything. He had seven shifts yesterday. Yeah, like that's the kind of thing that you you wonder, and like sometimes that just happens, right? Because Bednar is very much that kind of coach that goes with a feel where he's like, "This guy doesn't have it tonight. This line is giving me a problem. I'm not playing this guy." Because we've seen Dryden Hunt have nights where he gets moved up in the lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, where he has been a lot more of an impact guy and his style of play Hunt's style of play is a lot more conducive to the postseason than John Luke foodies is right now who Dryden hunt is at his core. But you also know that Dryden hunts not doing shit for you on the offensive side of the puck. Like yep. you're, you're comfortable with the idea that you're probably not getting any of that out of him, but where I think I'm concerned about Hunt is that the things that are supposed to be staples of his game are so inconsistent. The physical, the physical presence, like he goes out and he's a guy that skates hard every night, and I don't think that's a concern. But the physical presence is hit and miss. No, no pun intended. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not. He's not out there. You know, if there's one thing that you liked about Curtis McDermott at forward, it's that. He would go hunt a guy on a forecheck. That guy would get rid of the puck and Curtis McDermott would attempt to put him into the third row. And like every time out, he would do that. And you knew what you were getting there out of Curtis McDermott as a forward. You knew that that was going to be a thing that was happening. It's supposed to be part of Hunt's like package as a player, as part of his selling point. And it's, it's just inconsistent. And the decisions that he makes with the puck they're almost too simple. Like it's almost like he's afraid to try to make a play because he knows he's supposed to be supposed to be a skated straight lines and hit people kind of player. But he doesn't he hardly ever tries to do anything with the puck. He hardly ever he hardly ever does anything in which you would consider it playmaking or creative. It's almost too simple where now you're starting to say it's too limited. There's a hard cap on what he can give you because he won't, he won't deviate. And when you won't deviate from that and, and at least try something offensively and the selling points of his game are not consistent or are not super consistent. It really becomes a tough sell for me as a, uh, as as a consistent presence in in a lineup of a playoff team that takes itself seriously, whereas a, a Foodie's physicality and stuff that's it may not be there, but again you're talking about a guy that when he touches the puck there's just an electricity. A perfect example of this for Hunt, despite a very strong 56 percent positive Corsi, he's been on the ice for one goal for and six against. Yo, that time. fight was dope, though, guys. So I don't, think shit, I don't man. think you're quite accounting for that enough. <laughs> well, and you know that in a postseason, like, look, that whole sequence yeah. helped the Avs because he made a he laid a big clean hit that turned into a power play for the Avalanche. Yeah, that all of that is a good that those are good things that you want out of depth, guys. My problem is is that 
He'll do that once every four games. The three games in between, we're not seeing him do anything. No, I and I for the record, I was purely just being facetious. Yeah, and, and I know, I know you. It was tongue in cheek, <laughs> but it's true though. Like that was a moment in that game that had the power play had actual NHL caliber players on it in that game could have changed the course of that game. It ultimately didn't matter because the abs were just too overmatched that day. But in a game, if he makes that play tomorrow, and 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 that's the kind of situation uh, that that results from it. Colorado's chances of winning are a lot more serious. Well, well I was going to say, cause I, I do want to, I wanted to build on or just kind of co-sign what you were saying there about like, that's a big hit on a big name player. And then not only did he like get in the fight and it's like, Oh, he stuck up for himself. Like, no, he like straight beat the tires off Tomas Noshik. Like that's one of those fights where people talk Was about that oh, Noshik's first fight. It sure looked, looked like, like it. It felt like it, right? Like it was. It was <laughs> well, like watching the Chushkin's first fight. We were like, "Oh, he's not done this before." The, the the part of it we were laughing at, like as we were waiting to go in the room after, was I've never seen someone engage a fight look so unprepared for a fight. Like <laughs> you went and tracked him down to start a fight, and then you got in the fight, and we're like, ah. I don't know. I don't know what to have, uh, uh. but <laughs> that, that was one where Nick Foligno pulled him aside and was like, let me take it, big fella. Like, we appreciate <laughs> you. Yeah. Let's talk I got practice next. about how that looks. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, AJ, like, you are right. People talk, oh, you can't take fighting out of hockey. It, you know, it's a part of the game. It changes the momentum. I don't think that that is often the case. That is one of those fights where it's like, yeah, that, that could change a game. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Game changer for us, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Can't wait to drink some on the party bus, but, you know, also get it down at the bar, eight different kinds on tap. You can get it at your local liquor store using the Breck Beer Locator online. When you go to breckbrew.com, they also have the nice list, giving away a bunch of different stuff for Christmas. Go check it out. Get yourself some free dope stuff. And, of course, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. When you use code DNVR, when you sign up there and you bet $5 with a new account on any NHL team to win their next game, you get $150 in free bets. I'm just saying, my pick of the week last week was take the abs over the blues. And it was a little spicy, but it hit. At the end of the day, the bet hit. So maybe listen to me, but probably don't. Go do something (laughs) smarter than I'm capable of. Uh, again, use the DNVR code when you sign up with DraftKings. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And, of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, very quickly here, did want to touch on the other news topic of the day with England getting sent down. Do you guys think this is an indication that one of the defensemen is close to getting back, or is this we're going to see Jacob McDonald get moved back to defense and actually play defense? That's what I think it is. You put out a defense with both Brad Hunt and Jacob McDonald, you get what you deserve. Uh, no, I just yeah. – so, I mean, Jared Bednar told us at the start of last week uh, or maybe at the very tail end of the week before that that Josh Manson is still a hard month out. Um, and this is another thing that we did talk about in the episode that is coming out here in about 15, 20 minutes. Um <clears throat> Bowen Byron, they are not claiming that it was a setback, but we've clearly seen some type of setback in his uh, actual journey to getting back on the ice in a game. 
Uh, he was to go to from be... skating to not skating is a setback. I don't care if what they want to call it, but it right. just is. Right. Yeah. So AJ AJ saying it more bluntly than I was, but seriously, I mean they 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 are maintaining it was not a setback. He was on the ice. He was supposed to go from on the ice by himself to skating with Shauna Laird. He is just back to not skating. So take take that however you want, I guess. Uh, so for me, from what we know, both with the abs and what we're seeing on the ice, uh, I imagine that this is at best Jacob McDonald sliding back to uh, back to defense. Or they're just saving money for the day. Yeah, or they're just they, saving money I, for the day. I did want to say it's very possible that these are just paper transactions. That is my guess. Um, especially the England one. It's my, it's my guess that, um, they're saving money, which I'm not exactly sure how the math adds up there right now with their, I've with what everything what going on, on LTIR, man. it's just chaos. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gave up trying to keep track of it because it was, it, it got to the point where it was like, they are in the weeds on some <laughs> of this stuff. And I was just like, I'll we just, have just trust that they $35 million dollars worth of players hurt. It's kind of just, you, whatever happens, happens. At that point. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys uh, to to totally change directions here? But are you guys off. In, are you are you guys a little surprised the Avs didn't put in a claim on Eli Tolvanen? I said I was a tiny bit surprised, but I I just have to imagine it's the money. Yeah, how many is That's it? Just one year on the deal. So. It's it's weird that like first of all like his development has been really fascinating because when he was drafted, the hype was real. Well, it was like he's just a goal scorer. Um, he doesn't do anything else. He's not even much of a playmaker. He's just a really fast skater who can score goals for you. And then over the last few years in Nashville, he's developed into like more well-rounded. Like, uh, he's played in their depth, and he's gotten better, and he's developed more of a physical edge. Um, he he actually, like, gets involved defensively, and he still has goal-scoring ability. But it's, it's weird that his production on a per-60 basis has gone up, and his ice time has gone down. And that is one where you're just like, John Hines just doesn't like this player. Yep. And I... I am so confused but also like seattle making that claim seattle went from a team that last year was like they do a lot of decent things they just can't score and they they go out and they get (laughs) well now and they go out and to to add to jordan eberle and jaden schwartz they get bjorkstrand and burakovsky who's like they they can score goals and now they got tolvanen added into there and you're like, okay, so they've just decided, all right, we're going to swing the other way on this pendulum until it hurts us. Uh, just the, the living the extremes. So I do I do think there's really uh, an interesting claim from Seattle. A little, a little like, I, I knew immediately that the money was going to be an issue for Colorado, but also, like the difference between a Dryden Hunt and and Eli Tolvanen if it is wasn't pretty for significant. The money, you're taking that every day of the week. Right? It's pretty significant, man. Well, like, were you that's... guys were, were you guys actually surprised that he made it all the way to Seattle? 
Yes, I was, because that's a guy that I really don't understand what, like, like the San Jose's and the Anaheim's. Yeah, it, that's, like, it's right. part of why I never really even considered it for the Avs, because I was like, oh, the 10th team on that list will take him, and it'll be whatever. Well, and, and to be honest, like, uh, and, and I'm less familiar with everyone's cap situation off the top of my head, but even, even a, a team like St. Louis... You know, yeah. where you're looking, you're looking at the blues and you're like, if they could have fit it, if they could have fit the, the number in under the cap, I don't, I, again, off the top of my head, don't know what their situation is, but Tolvanen was like that kind of guy where you're like, he would have really fit that kind of archetype for, for them that, that, that the they grindy, kind of yeah. loaded up on in the last couple of years where these guys, these guys can play a little bit of offense, but are not bad defensively also that nashville just felt the need to be like we're good (laughs) like you've spent all these years working on this working and developing and you know him better than anybody and you're now you've just decided you just you just gave up on him what uh elliot friedman was saying this morning that he thought it was was because i guess they've got a lot of uh, defensive injuries and they're having to call a bunch of guys up and make room and all kinds of stuff. And that Tolvanen was just the, the odd man out. He also made mention, and this is just I'm curious on your thoughts on this, given kind of what you were talking about, his draft profile. He said that he took, he uh, spoke with a uh, Elliot Friedman spoke with a GM last night who said they liked Tolvanen, but uh, they thought he was maybe a little too one dimensional. Uh, I, I mean, and that's one where I'm like, uh, just not how you see it. It it just at this point in his career, I I can understand where you would say a guy is a little one dimensional, but when you're talking about bottom six guys, who fucking is it? <laughs> right, 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 right. Do you think Logan O'Connor has a lot of dimensions to his game? It doesn't stop him from being a quality NHL player, right? Like it's a it's a weird criticism to levy at a guy that that like a guy that lost That's a job that well yeah and a guy that lost a job to fucking Mark Jankowski. Like, um, for the record, obviously they've got some LTIR space, but for all intents and purposes, uh, St. Louis is sitting at eighty four eight against the cap. So I mean. They are right up against That's it. Pretty they've, tight, yeah. They've got just over a million in available space, but that is including their LTIR. So tough for them, for sure. Um, yeah, and well, and that's one where they also have a lot of forwards sitting on their roster. That like, uh, I know that they've got a couple of extras on there, like the like Tyler Pitlick and and Josh Levo that they could always yeah. move. But true, mm-hmm. those guys. They've been bad I, enough this year that those guys have actually played roles for them. Yeah. I, I do want to get so, this pod wrapped up anyway. here as uh, the At The Rink pod is about to drop on YouTube in a couple minutes here. So any final thoughts on the Avs roster here before we get out of here? I We, we kind of glossed over it, but I mean, I'm sort of curious how Darren Helm not only comes back into the lineup, but like how he plays, yeah. where he fits. If that starts to starts to be the beginning of Bedner going back to balancing his usage a little bit instead of it being two lines and prayers, um, you know, nightly prayers after those two lines. Like, 
because that's it's that's really what it's been and so helm is kind of a a guy that we haven't like everybody's under understands what darren helm is and isn't at this point in his career but it's such an interesting guy in the eye of a coach where he's like ah, ha, 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 like <laughs> exactly what this guy needs to help stabilize the bottom of his cold forward core and it's like the start of that um and with with darren helm i'm just i just wonder like what does it actually look like yeah and and like the overall impact and and does he does he play well because you got to remember like this is a guy that wasn't very good last year and then the postseason started and he was an absolute holy terror dope as hell yeah yeah where you're like he went he went from being like he really wasn't very good last year Mm -hmm. and then the postseason started and he was like Oh my god, dude, this is the best fourth liner in the league. <laughs> like he kicked ass in the postseason. So Well, he, he was he was so he was so good in the postseason that like the game winner in game six against St. Louis, like you weren't even all that surprised it was Darren Helm. Yeah. I mean you go back and you look at it and he scored what, two goals in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. I think uh, it was I think it was two. Two, yeah, yeah. If not if not three, it was at least two. And like that's a huge moment, and everybody was just like, "Yeah, Darren Helm." Like, he he sniped the shit out of out of uh, Andre Vasilevsky in Game Two of the Final. That's right. Just yeah. kicked a corner on him. Yeah, that was uh, God. I don't remember which goal that was, but that shit was hilarious. That was, that was like the fourth or fifth in that in that blowout. Yeah. That was that the was... one, and, and that was the one where you were like, <laughs> "Yep, you took the words out of my mouth." As soon as that one went in. I looked at the person next to me. I was like, yeah, this is a route. Like, this is only getting worse from here. You got Darren Helm picking corners from the top of the circles. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> okay. On that note, we are going to wrap up the show today. Be sure to stick around on the YouTube channel. Like and subscribe. Jesse and Megan's at the rink pod dropping in just a few minutes here. If you want a little, uh, I, are we calling it insider info? I don't know. They got a yeah. bunch of interview topics and stuff. They talked to a bunch of abs in there. So it's going to be unlike interview. anything that anybody else is making in the avalanche community right now. So yeah. just it's, tune in just for that. It's, it's very, and we mentioned this on the show, but like AJ, we've been talking about this type of show now for the last year mm-hmm. being um, access driven. So every week you can expect, a lot of audio from in the locker room, uh, video from inside the locker room, talking to coach, one-on-one interviews, um, you know, stuff that we're hearing around the rink. If, you know, if we're getting little tidbits of info here and there, um, that pod is going to be where you hear a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, it's it's like I just said, it's very unlike um, we think what, what anyone else is doing out there. So, hope you guys enjoy it. It'll be every Monday. It'll have a written piece. Uh, that'll be some diehard content that'll come out on Sunday. That'll be loosely uh related to it so yeah it should be fun first episode dropping here in just a few minutes there you go we love all you we'll be back tomorrow with the game until then see you on the next one ah mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. 
Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.